Hello, and welcome to AOL Church, a place to connect. This is where we gather together common people and equip them to live connected lives. AOL Church exists to connect with God, connect with people, and ultimately connect people with God. Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. Now, let's listen in on this week's sermon. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us today at AOL Church. It is an honor and a privilege to have you here in service with us today. God is going to speak and God is going to bless. And we are going to have a wonderful time in the Lord today. Please remember your online giving through our website and continue to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. We are so excited to be with you this morning, and we are excited what God is going to do. If you'll go with me this morning to the book of John, the 11th chapter, we're going to read through several verses today. It will be our text, and we'll see what the Lord is going to speak to us. John, the 11th chapter, starting with verse number 3. We'll go down through this uh, chapter. We won't read the entire thing, but we'll read uh, several uh, scriptures today, and you'll see where God's going to take us and how God's going to speak to us. Again, it's the chapter of John, is the book of John, chapter 11, verse 3, and we'll read through verse 6, and then we'll read verse 14 and 15, and then we'll drop down and we'll read verse 39 through verse 44. Again, thank you for being with us. Praise the Lord. John, the 11th chapter, starting, let's start with verse number one. And now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. Verse number two. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, And Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. If you'll drop down to verse 14, it says this Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15 And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. If you'll drop all the way down to verse 39. Verse 39 says, Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42, 
I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hand his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Today I want to preach to you, minister if you will, on the subject, the delivering power of the word of God the delivering power of the word of God. Before we go any further, can we thank God for his divine word? Before we go any further, can we thank him for his presence that I already feel in this place today? Can we, before we go any further, can we give God praise and glory and honor for he is greatly to be praised. He's worthy to be praised and we are here. We have been created. We are creatures of to give and create and give God praise. So could you just take a moment and give God your best praise. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We worship you, Lord God. Lord, speak to your people, Lord God. Reveal revelation today, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the praise and everybody said in Jesus' name. I believe that Lazarus and his situation or his condition and his resurrection is so powerful because it reminds us that it's not over until God says it's over. It reminds us that God can do anything. It reminds us that God works in the dark. It reminds us that man's impossibilities are God's opportunities. It teaches us that God is not glorified by our sin and he's not glorified by our sickness, and he's not glorified by our disease, but he is glorified by our deliverance, and he is glorified by our healing, and he's glorified by our salvation. Somebody say praise the Lord. Jesus carried the gospel wherever he went, and wherever he went, he affected that place. <clears throat> Just by the foolishness of preaching, entire cities were turned upside down. If he came into the city, he would wreck the entire city. Whole social systems were disrupted. If he started preaching in the desert, People would flee from the city and meet him in the desert just to hear him preach. If he would get into a house and start preaching, he would fill the house until the people were standing in the doorways and outside in the windows and crowds would gather outside the house and even one man 
hallelujah, were carried by four with the palsy, broke through the crowd, traveled onto the roof, broke a hole in the roof, and lowered the one sick with the palsy in the presence of the Lord because they understood how powerful our God is. He didn't just have a word, he was the word. And we give God all the praise and honor for that. We find from the beginning of our reading of our text here in chapter 11 of John, it is Lazarus, Jesus' friend. He's sick and Mary and Martha sent a messenger to Jesus to say, would you come and see about your friend? For he is very sick. They know about his power and they know about his position and they know about his healing virtue. This was a genuine ask for help. And Jesus responds by saying, I'm coming. She said, this is no job just for chicken noodle soup, or this is not a job for grandma's special tonic. This is a job for Jesus, for Jesus is the healer, and we need Jesus. I need the Lord to step in and deal with this trauma. I need the Lord to come because I need the touch of the master. So everybody ought to know how to get in touch with Jesus. I'm going to say that again. You got to be able to get in touch with Jesus. Hallelujah. And so she sent for Jesus and Lazarus. Hallelujah. She said, hang in there, Lazarus. Hallelujah. Because Jesus is coming. Hang in there, Lazarus. Have some hope because Jesus said that he's coming. How do you know that Jesus is coming? I sent for him. Jesus is coming. How do you know that Jesus is on the way? For when I call his name, he, he, he doesn't hesitate. He comes. How do you know that he's going to show up? Because he's given me a name that I can call on that's above every name. And when I call on that name of Jesus, I sent a messenger to him and told him that you are sick, Lazarus. Hang in there. Jesus is coming. And I just call that today. If you are watching online and you have got a special need in your life and you're saying, Pastor, I've called him on several occasions. Can I just tell you the first time you mention his name, he heard you. And my message to you today is hang in there. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. His disciples are like, great, let's go. Jesus said he's going to take care of Lazarus. We're with you. Let's go. And Jesus is like, yeah, but not right now because he's only asleep. His disciples say, oh, great. If he's asleep, he'll be fine. And Jesus says, I forgot you don't see things like I see things. Lazarus is going to die. They're like sleep and death are two different things. 
But Jesus said, not to me. Jesus is actively looking for those who are lost and in trouble or in need. He is never too late. I want you to understand that this morning. He is never too late. And Jesus never gives up on anybody. He made you out of nothing. He spoke you into existence when nothing was there. And in spite of the long delays, he sent me here this morning with this message, even though it is online. He sent me here to tell you, you don't have to despair. That which you thought was dead will be resurrected. The doctor said it was too late. And all of the studies and all of the surveys and all of the statistics said it was too late. Your wife thought it was too late. Your kids gave up because they thought it was too late. You even gave up. You believed that them when they tried to tell you it was too late. But I come to tell you this morning, this miracle says to us today, it's never too late with Jesus. <clears throat> I want you to get that. It is never too late with Jesus. No matter how long the delay, no matter how deep the despair, no matter how long your situation has been dead, <clears throat> no matter how tore up it is, no matter how devastated it is, no matter how how far gone it is, Jesus will demonstrate in, and in dramatic fashion, he will perform a resurrection in your life. It is never too late with Jesus. I wish somebody would say that with me right there in your living room, right there in your home. I wish you would say that with me. It is never too late with Jesus. The Bible says in verse 17 of our text, then Jesus came. He said he was coming and Jesus always keeps his word. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had laid in the grave four days already. And Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, if you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, you should have been here. We have already buried this God. Jesus, you should have been here. It's been four days. We've already put him in the grave. Then Jesus says something interesting. After talking with Mary and after talking with Martha, he says, show me where you put him. And they are like, no way. He stinks already. No way. He's been in there for four days and, and he already stinks. You should have came when the situation was fresh, Jesus. I called upon thy name, Lord. You should have been here when I called you. If you would have come in a couple of hours of his death, that would have been good. If you would have came within 24 hours of his death. We were still wrapping up his body. We would have been good with that, Jesus. But four days, we are not good 
anymore. Four days in the grave, our hope is gone. Four days in the grave, we're not good with it anymore, Jesus. Jesus says, show me where you laid him. So Jesus says something to her that is asking, hallelujah, everyone that is watching online today in this service, the same question. He says, show me where you laid him down. Show me where you gave up. Show me where you stopped believing that I can do the impossible. What happened to you? You used to bathe my feet with your tears. Show me where you got tired. Who tricked you and that you stopped trusting in me? Show me where you decided I wasn't going to do it. Show me where you made up your mind it was past God doing a miracle. Show me the place that you gave up hope, that you gave up on me, that you gave up, hallelujah, that he was ever coming back. Show me where you laid him because at a certain point, people are good with your issues once it's, hallelujah, starts stinking. I'm gonna say that again. At a certain point, people are good with their issues once it starts stinking. Like when it, it's fresh, they're fighting for it. When it's fresh, you're fighting for it. When they die, they're like, bring it back to life, God. But when it starts stinking, we're good. When it starts stinking, it's done. When it starts stinking, it's over. Put that somewhere. We'll never have to bring it up again. I don't want to deal with it if it stinks. And Jesus says, that's why I showed up. Because I want you to deal with something that's a little bit stinky. I want you to deal with something that has the stench of a reminder of your request not being met when you wanted it to be met. Mm -hmm. Again, Jesus says, show me where you laid him. And they say, come and see. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. This whole scene is spectacular to me and it should be spectacular to you because Jesus shows up to the scene and says take away the stone but Jesus we've been waiting on you I want you to get this if you get nothing else out of this service today get this out of this message but Jesus we've been waiting on you Jesus we want you to do something and Jesus said I am. I've come to do the thing you can't do. But whatever you can do, you will do. Because I'm not showing up to do everything for you. I'm showing up to do this with you. Oh, you didn't hear me. Hallelujah. I've showed up to do this with you. And I'm not going to do the thing you can do yourself. You roll away the stone. 
So they rolled away the stone. It's hard to go back to the stuff you've buried. Say that again. It's hard to go back to the stuff you've buried. It's not easy to bring it back up. You got to put some effort into it. You've got to put some effort to go there mentally. You've got to put some effort into it to go there relationally. You've got to put some effort into it to go there emotionally. And they roll the stone away. And Jesus does something that is mind-blowing. He does not move closer to the tomb. He does not walk down into the tomb. He stands right where he was, watching the entire event, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And I want you to understand today, he says it only one time. If it was us, professional Pentecostals, if it was us, apostolics, if it was us, we would have been there for three hours talking about Lazarus. Lazarus. I said Lazarus. We would have been there shouting and sweating and, and, and Jesus says it only once because the more you believe it without a shadow of a doubt, the more you believe it, the more you believe the power of the word and the more you believe the power of the name of Jesus, the more authority you have over it. Lazarus is dead. Jesus only says it once. Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man with no breath in his body. And you remember what the command was. It wasn't just to wake up. It was to do something. It wasn't just to be revived. It was to move. And Lazarus is completely wrapped up with a death napkin over his face. And nobody went down there to assist him. He's down there all by himself. How do you get up if you're bound? How do you get up if you're wrapped all up in grave clothes, a death napkin on your face? How do you get up if you're bound? You're revived, but you're still bound. Oh, you don't want to hear that today. You're revived, but you're still bound. You can be revived and still have struggles. You can be revived and still have issues. Lazarus has been revived. Now, it might be a struggle, but I'm getting up. It might be a struggle, but I'm coming out of this. It might be a struggle, but I'm going to get to Jesus. 
His voice is calling me. His word has revived me. His authority is delivering me. But I've got to get up and I've got to make my way to Jesus. It might be a struggle. It might be hard. It might almost look like an impossible task. But his voice is calling me. And his word has revived me. And his authority is delivering me. It doesn't make sense that a decomposed, rigorous, written body of a dead man who's been in the grave for four days and the stench of death is beginning to grow strong and where the worms were crawling up and bacteria setting up and getting ready to eat up his flesh that the voice of Jesus could go into the tomb and say, Lazarus, come forth. And rigor Morris would stop killing his body. And life came into his flesh. And his flesh would begin to wax warm. And he would come leaping out of the tomb. Jesus never moves towards him. I want you to understand that today. Jesus never moves towards him. He had to find a way to get to him. Jesus does not move. Jesus is stationary right from the moment he gets there. Jesus never moves towards him. Lazarus has to find a way to get to him. And once he got to Jesus, he said, loose him and let him go. And here is the implication of this text today. You're never going to get free by yourself. I want you to, to let that sink in just for a minute. Minute. You're never going to get free by yourself. You need Jesus and you need the church body. Mm. I'm going to try it again. You need Jesus and you need the church. Why? Because Jesus stood there and said, loose him and let him go. They would begin to unwrap him. It is the church's responsibility to unwrap and loose. I want you to get that. It is the church's responsibility to unwrap, hallelujah, and loose. It is a process. It is a process. When Jesus sent his disciples into the village to find a colt that had never been ridden, he told them to say that the Lord has need of him. They redeemed him, speaking of the colt, and switched his ownership. He had new papers now. He had a new owner now. And it was like that them saying, I've been redeemed. But now it had to be released because he wasn't just owned by somebody else. He was still tied up because you can be redeemed 
and not be released. Oh my gosh. You can be redeemed and not be released. Look at Lazarus resurrected from the dead, but still bound by the grave clothes. Jesus used the same terms and the same same, uh, uh, terminology because he said, loose the colt and let him go. And he said to those that were standing at the grave when Lazarus came out, loose him and let him go. I've come to tell somebody that the Lord has demanded a release today. I've come to tell somebody watching online, hallelujah, the Lord commanded me to come and tell you that the Lord has demanded a release in your life. He's saying I can't stay where I am and I can't live like I am and I can't deal with it like I am. The Lord told me to command a release in your life in Jesus. Jesus name so we are going to take a pause in this message right now and I am commanding a release to be hallelujah hallelujah to operate in your life in the name of Jesus I am commanding a release in your life hallelujah to take place not tomorrow not tonight but right now in the authority and the power of the name of Jesus if you want that if you need that stretch your hands towards heaven and say God I'm ready for my release in Jesus name I command it in Jesus name after Lazarus came forth and was loosed and was set free we would have been like praise Jesus we would have been there saying glory hallelujah this is a miracle from God we would have been there saying look this is the Messiah we would have been there saying look hallelujah all the other miracles that he performed praise God but this one is so different this one is unique this one hallelujah is a first he turned water into wine hallelujah he reached into the coffin and touched the dead boy and the, and the little boy rose up we saw God do so many miracles but this one four days in the grave this one beginning to stink this one Rigor Morris had just set in. Hallelujah. This is the Messiah. This is the one true God. And you would think that everybody who was there would be singing his praises. You would think that everybody there would be praising and magnifying God. But there are some haters that are in the back. There are some enemies of the gospel in the back. This is some bad news, they said. And I'm going to tell the high priest. Look, it's in your word. It's in the Bible. It's exactly what they said. They said, look, this is bad. And we're going to tell the high priest. And they go back and tell the high priest, we've got to stop this. We've got to put the brakes on this. If he keeps doing stuff like this, everybody's going to believe in him. If he keeps doing things like this, everybody is going to say, this is the son of God. If he keeps doing things like this, everybody's going to bow their knee and worship him as the one true mighty God. If he keeps doing stuff like this, everybody is going to believe in him. Then the high priest prophesied 
prophesied. This is what the word says. Check it out. Read down further through this chapter. You will find out the high priest, it says in the word of God, prophesied. Do you understand your haters can prophesy? Your haters can prophesy. It said that Jesus, that the high priest prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. It said that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. He didn't understand it, but he was prophesying. Now we jump a little ahead and find Jesus at Lazarus' house. And what is he doing at Lazarus' house? He's simply eating dinner. It is the resurrector and the resurrected both sitting at the table having a meal. Then Mary comes and breaks open a year's worth of expensive perfume, anoints Jesus' feet, dries it with her hair, the aroma fills the room. It is a powerful scene. It is a powerful demonstration of worship. It fills the room. The, the aroma, hallelujah, fills the place. And at the end of all this taking place, at the end of all of this, it's the chief priests that are there that run back and say we found out where Jesus is but then they say we need to kill Lazarus too because it is his fault everyone is leaving us and believing in Jesus it's Lazarus' fault that we're losing and people are leaving us and believing in Jesus. It's Lazarus' fault. Why? Because he died? What did Lazarus do? He died. What did Jesus do? He got him up. What did they want to do? Kill Lazarus too. Why do you want to kill Lazarus? Because he's alive. What did he do? What did Lazarus do so bad that you want to kill him? They said he shouldn't have got up. Wait, hold on. You're mad because a dead man got up? And they're like, yeah, he needs to die. So let me get this straight. You weren't mad when he was alive the first time. No, we'll have no problem with this first life. It's the second life that bothers us. Mm. Hope somebody gets that right there. It's the second life that bothers us. 
The first life was fine. I'm fine with that first life. I'm fine with that life. But the second life is because of Jesus. So they want him dead, not for being alive, but they want him dead because the way he is alive. The enemy hates you not for being alive, but for the way you are alive. Oh my gosh. The enemy hates you not for being alive, but for the way you are alive. He wasn't mad at you when you were born. You were born in sin. Gotcha. He had you. You were already a sinner. You were born a sinner. He wasn't mad when you were born. But to be born again, now he has a problem with you. Now here's the part that is just amazing. That he is sitting down, just eating dinner, and you're mad? All Lazarus is doing is sitting down at the table with Jesus, and you're mad? He's not testifying. He hasn't started a YouTube channel. He's not on Instagram. He's just sitting down, having dinner, doing nothing, and the enemy wants him dead. See, you don't have to be doing nothing for the enemy to take you out. You don't have to be doing nothing for the enemy to want to kill you, except living for Jesus. Just being a born-again, blood-washed believer, trying to live your life for Jesus Christ, and that's going to be enough for all of hell to want to take you out. So you can see us today and how we relate to the story of Lazarus. You can see me and I can see you and I can see the church and I can see this generation and how we relate to this story of Lazarus. We were dead, but now we are alive. Lazarus was dead and he got up. Somebody ready to praise God on something? You need to praise God for this. We were dead and we got up. John 11, verse 11 says, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. That sleep meant death. I'm going to go and wake him up. Now this is what it says to us in Colossians 2.13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. We were dead, but now we're all now now we are alive. We were dead, 
But now we are alive. Somebody should be thanking Jesus on that right there. I can hear the praise God. I can hear thank you Jesus all hallelujah online right now. We were dead, but we are alive. That's something to celebrate. Tell somebody next to you, that's something to celebrate. They don't believe you, hallelujah. Tell somebody on the other side, that's something to get excited about. If there's nobody there with you, talk to yourself. There's somebody, that's something to get excited about. Do you now see why the enemy hates you? He likes you better dead than alive. The enemy likes you better dead than alive. We like Lazarus, we're bound but now we are set free. Because in our text, John eleven forty four, it says, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round about his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That's what happened to Lazarus. Now this is what happened to us. Galatians 5 and 1 says, Stand fast, therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Oh my goodness. You will never find another scripture where Lazarus got rebound. I'm going to say that again. That you will never find another scripture where Lazarus got rebound. Once he got free, he was free. I'm going to say that again because it's worth saying. Once he got free, he was free. He wasn't walking around with that stuff around him after he got free. He didn't keep them as mementos. He didn't keep them and say, look what I've been through. Hallelujah. No, get rid of that. Get rid of that stinky stuff. Don't carry that stuff around you hallelujah it's great to have a testimony but don't keep them things as mementos now look at this John 12 1 and 2 you want to make sure you see this because this is very powerful John 12 1 and 2 verse 1 says then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was which had been dead whom he raised from the dead Verse 2, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Just several hours earlier, he wasn't eating. Just several hours earlier, he wasn't even sitting up. Just seven, several hours earlier, he was laying down in the grave. Just several hours earlier, he wasn't even breathing. Lazarus got up and he had a place to sit down at the table. Now let me tell you what this says about us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 through six, you need to find. You need to make sure you understand this, and you need to make sure you follow this today. Ephesians chapter two, verse four through verse six says, "But God, who was rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, 
even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, hallelujah, but I am grateful that I have a place to sit in the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to try that again. I'm so grateful, and you should be today, hallelujah, that we have a place to sit in the kingdom of heaven. And this is why the enemy hates you so much. And this is why the enemy hates me so much. Because what your position is now. He liked you better when you were flat on your back laying in your sins. He liked you better when you were flat on your back. Hallelujah. Dead. He liked you better when you were laying there in your sins. But now that you are up, whether you like it or not, you've been positioned at the table with the king. Somebody say, praise the Lord. And anytime he wants to come in after you, he walks in and sees you dining. He walks in and sees you supping. He walks in and sees you eating with Jesus. He walks in and sees they are they are continuing to feed off what the king is sharing with them. They're eating the word of God and being strengthened to do everything that you have been called to do. And all he can do is walk out and shake his head because you have got a place at the table with the king. Now listen, Romans 8, 9, through 11 says, you need to follow this in the word of God. Romans chapter 8, 9 through 11 says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. In other words, the same spirit that got Lazarus up is the same spirit who got Jesus up is the same spirit that got me up is the same spirit that got you up. We have a testimony that I have been redeemed. We've, you got a testimony. You've been redeemed and you should thank God and give God all the praise for that in the name of Jesus. So my question this morning is, where do you find yourself right now? Where do you find yourself right now? You tuned in today to hear a word from God. What is God saying to you? Perhaps God is pointing to something in your life and saying, I want you to roll that stone away because I want to get in there and fix that. What you've been holding on to stinks.
I want to turn that grudge into forgiveness and tell that relationship it can live again. I want to turn that bad habit into a miraculous testimony. So I say today, if God has spoken to you through his message, the same voice that called and the same voice that spoke come forth. I want you to start making your way towards Jesus by calling on his great name. If you need something rolled away, if there's still bandages still swirling around your feet and swirling around your arms, you can't pray as you can't praise as as freely and you can't pray as freely as you thought you could. Would you begin to cry out to Jesus? And as you begin to cry out to Jesus, you will feel the delivering power of the word of God. Because the whole message of Lazarus is one of redemption. The whole message of Lazarus is one of resurrection. The whole message of Lazarus is of healing and wholeness and deliverance. And at the voice of Jesus, Lazarus is raised from the dead and the end becomes a new beginning. Where death had reigned, life begins again. So I say in this final moment of this service, if you will listen now, you will hear him calling. I hear the voice of the Lord so strong in this service today. I feel the power and the presence of the Lord in this place of Tolalabasai right now. If you will listen right now, you will hear him calling. I want to touch the lost. Who will let me? I want to minister to the hurting. Who will let me? I want to speak peace into someone's storm. Who will hear my voice? I want to bind up the brokenhearted and bring peace to those that are in turmoil. Will you answer? My call, will you hear my voice? He's calling. He's waiting. It's the delivering power of the word of God. It may not be easy. It may even be a struggle. But you've got to get to Jesus. Because there's delivering power of the word of God. I pray that the word of the Lord blessed you today. We are praying for you. We are believing with you. I know that God wants to do something powerful and wonderful in your life, in your home, in your spirit. 
We're praying for you. We're praying with you. And until next time, may God bless you, keep you safe in Jesus' name.